Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. season is almost here and we are coming out of the tunnel with the top headlines starting in Dublin as Sam Hartman is less than 24 hours away from making his debut with the Fighting Irish. How big of an impact can he have in this new offense? Plus, it is only week zero, but last year's hero, the Heisman winner, Caleb Williams. He's back in action this week. Can he be just the second ever two-time Heisman winner? And since it's almost game time, let's get set for the best bets for week zero. Joe Fortenbaugh joins us later in the show to break it all down. What's going on? Welcome into College Football Live alongside Pete Thamel, Sam Ocho. I'm Kelsey Riggs. Great to be with you. Dusty Dvortek going to join us in just a little while. Guys, we're kind of like smiling along <laughs> as we're watching that trailer coming in because college football season just less than 24 hours away so let's jump right to it and take you through some of the big storylines heading in to week zero it has been 228 days since the national championship game but now it starts across the pond in Dublin as Notre Dame takes on Navy tomorrow it'll be the debut for quarterback Sam Hartman who transferred from Wake Forest in the offseason in the evening Ohio heads west to take on San Diego State the Bobcats are coming off a program tying record 10 win season. They return quarterback Curtis Rourke, who threw 25 touchdowns and just four picks last season. 7.30 on SEC Network, Vanderbilt kicks off their season hosting Hawaii. The Commodores, they took a massive leap forward last season, winning five games, matching the total from the previous three seasons combined. And the only top 10 team in action tomorrow, it is number six, USC hosting San Jose State, the Trojans are beginning their last season in the Pac-12 before moving to the Big Ten next season. They, of course, return their Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. Now, Acho going to break down Caleb Williams in just a little while, tell us how he can continue to grow his game. 
Let's start big picture. Acho, what's one thing you're looking forward to this season? Okay, Riggs, I'm excited about the upsets, the big games, the teams that no one expected to be good, like TCU, that they end up being good, the players like were on, on the bench and they end up starting. I'm excited about the magic that happens in college football. We get to see it tomorrow. It's obviously, Kelsey, a season of change coming. We're on the precipice of a totally new era of college football. I'm excited about last call in the Pac-12. The bar is full. <laughs> this is the best Pac-12 in the 20 years I've covered national college football. You start in Seattle. You go to Boulder. There's a, there's a juice of life with Coach Prime. And obviously, you've got the returning Heisman winner playing this weekend. Uh, I'm fired up. Oregon State by the way, is one of my sleeper teams. Oh, I like that. We're going to take a deep dive into some of those quarterbacks in just a little while. Pete, I would imagine something else you're probably looking forward to. More college football talk, less college football alignment talk. But we're not there just yet because we thought the ACC expansion was tabbed for now, was tabled for now. But uh, then, you know, Pete tweets and everything changes. So <laughs> Wednesday, you reported the ACC once again seriously considering the potential additions, SMU, Cal, as well as Stanford. So, Pete, what can you tell us? What's the latest? Well, those conversations are ongoing right now, Kelsey. Uh, the athletic directors from the ACC met last night. They had a phone call, and uh, they will meet again. Uh, there's been no meeting determined as of yet, but I imagine these conversations are going to spill into next week. A week from today, I feel like there's a soft deadline of week one in the season starting. We'll have some clarity on that. There's still some optimism that still feels like there's some momentum for this to happen. comes down to money, like most things in realignment, and how that money that SMU and Calford, as they're called, mm -hmm. Cal and Stanford, end up getting divided up in a success pool amongst the current ACC teams. What are you hearing about that? Because as you said, it does all come down to money. We know the revenue gap from the ACC and some of these other conferences, SEC, Big Ten. What would this do if you add these programs to the ACC as it stands now? Well, it's likely going to be a, a pot of money, Kelsey, between 50 and $60 million. And that'll obviously go up as ACC revenues go up as things go. And what the presidents met about Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the ADs talked about last night was just how to divide that. Uh, what percentage of money would the champion get? Uh, if you make the playoff, do you get this much money? But it's, it's a fairly complicated conversation because they, they aren't just going to give money to Florida State and Clemson because they're not happy, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to set it up for the successful teams to get money but if you're one of the teams that maybe doesn't have a ton of success you don't want to box yourself out of potential revenue either so there's a lot of different agendas right now in the ACC it's 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 an interesting moment in time in that league and getting everybody together on the same page is complicated I expect there to be a few more meetings and we'll see if it gets done they need 12 of the 15 schools to vote they had no's from NC State UNC Florida State and Clemson last time. We'll see if any of those changes, but let's get to some more news of the day in college football, and that takes us to Michigan, where we now know there will be not one, not two, not three, but four <laughs> interim coaches that are going to take over for Jim Harbaugh during that self-imposed suspension. So, Thoughts, first of all, on what that's going to look like and, and what you know about the, the ruling that they have decided. Well, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, obviously, I don't know if I've ever heard of a two coaches coaching in the same game. So, uh, week, second half. Yes, week two against UNLV. Uh, Jay Harbaugh, Jim's son, will coach the first half. He's a special teams coach. And then Mike Hart, the legendary running back, who's the running back coach there, is going to coach the second half. Uh, and then, obviously, the two coordinators get game one and game three, Jesse Minter and Sharon Moore. Uh, certainly unique, but very Jim Harbaugh on brand, Sam, right? Well, I love it. And what, I, what gets me excited about this opportunity for these coaches, and I use that word specifically, opportunity, is that each one of these coaches is 40 years or younger, right? So you got 40, 30. 37, 37, 34. So no matter what, at least you get a chance to game plan for a week, even if it's not for an entire week. Maybe you get the Friday night meeting before the game. Maybe you get Saturday with the team. So the experience that these coaches can get, I don't care about the resume and like put a W on your resume, but just the chance to lead the team, be the person that 
everyone follows, you can't put a value on that. All three of those are home games before their first Big Ten game against Rutgers. You mentioned the experience they'll get. The other thing that's interesting, though, is Jim Harbaugh is still going to be coaching all week. Yeah. So he coaches all week, and then they come at the end. If you're a player, what does that look like? Well, if I'm a player, I understand that I'm the one who's leading this team. Like, the best teams I've ever been on have been player-led teams. And so, yes, Jim Harbaugh may be coaching all week, or maybe he'll be giving up some of the duties to his offensive or defensive coordinator. But if I'm a player, I understand I want to be great. The bet, Like I said, like, I've been on teams that went to national championships. We were a player-led team. We didn't need our coach. It was good that he was there, but that's what I expect from this team. Uh, we won't tell Mac Brown you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, Mac knows, Mac knows, Mac, Mac, Mac we, didn't need, we love you, but we didn't need you. Yeah, we, I, you wanted it that way. I think Jim Harbaugh being there in practice makes all of this a little bit mute. Sure. They're still going to develop their identity as they go. And look, they're, they're a program that's really built around all three phases, and they play complementary well. They're a lot like an NFL franchise played out in college, and I still think we'll see those complement. But I, I agree. Uh, Sharon Moore is one of, the, one of the top assistant coaches in the country. He gets his chance to be on the sideline. A- ADs, you know, who may hire him someday can see him coaching. I think that's really important. And respectfully to those teams, they're playing the first three weeks. They do have a little bit of time before they jump into that Big Ten play for their fourth home game of the season against Rutgers. Got a lot more to get to here on College Football Live. When we come back, Sam Hartman he makes his Notre Dame debut in less than 24 hours. Dusty joins us. And the guys give their thoughts on the impact he'll have on this Irish football team this year. Plus, it's the last year of the Pac-12 as we know it, but is it also the year of the quarterback out west? The Heisman winner is back, but are there other hopefuls? We'll dive into the Pac-12 quarterbacks still ahead on College Football Rock. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Welcome back into College Football Live. This season doesn't kick off here. It kicks off in Dublin tomorrow at 2.30 as Notre Dame and Navy play. Bill Connolly crunches the numbers on the Irish. Marcus Freeman getting ready for year two at the helm of Notre Dame. Starts with Coach Freeman. It's kind of brought a new, you know, breath of fresh air into the program. Notre Dame's still Notre Dame. In Marcus Freeman's first year as head coach, Notre Dame evolved into a power-heavy and increasingly effective team. Over their last seven games, running backs Logan Diggs and Audric Estime averaged 158 rushing yards per game at 5.6 yards per carry, and the Fighting Irish outscored opponents by nearly 15 points per game. Estime and All-American tackle Joe Alt return, but a number of key pieces are gone. 
He is talented beyond measure. Second most accomplished passer in ACC history, but he is a natural leader. New offensive coordinator Jared Parker will ask for big plays from Wake Forest transfer Sam Hartman, the most proven and prolific quarterback the Irish have had in quite some time, and a receiving core of Jaden Thomas, converted running back Chris Tyree, and former blue chippers like Deion Colsey. Defenders weren't looking. Nobody over there in that corner. Touchdown, USC! The defense was less effective than expected, especially against the run. Linebackers Maris Lufau and J.D. Bertrand return, but the line isn't loaded with sides. Sophomore cornerback Benjamin Morrison is one of college football's best, and the secondary could benefit from the addition of safety transfers Thomas Harper of Oklahoma State and Antonio Carter II of Rhode Island. But the pass rush still needs a boost after the departure of star Isaiah Foskey. We embrace the underdog world. It's not a situation we haven't been in. We're going to do it all and let everything else take care of itself. Notre Dame had won at least 10 games for five straight seasons until 2022. With three projected top 15 opponents and some tricky road games against the ACC foes, the Irish might have to top even last year's late form to get back to double digits. Well, thanks so much. We are going to get to see their new quarterback, Sam Hartman, in the Aer Lingus College Football Classic for the first time. It'll be his final year of college football. There are some questions, of course, about what he'll look like in this new offense with the new offensive coordinator, Jared Parker. But the numbers he put up at Wake Forest were impressive, to say the least. Now, the Irish are getting statistically the greatest quarterback the ACC has ever produced. In his five years at Wake Forest, Hartman became the conference all-time leader in passing touchdowns and total offense. The last two seasons, he's nearly averaged 4,000 passing yards and 40 touchdowns per year. Dusty Dvorak joins us now. And let's start with you, Dusty. I mentioned the offense. It's going to look a little bit different, likely, than what we saw in all of his time at Wake Forest. So what are your expectations for Sam in this offense? I think it's fascinating. He's got a chance to really do some great things for this Notre Dame football team. As you just showed there with the schedule, great opportunities, USC, Ohio State, and Clemson all on the schedule, but I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. You know, Parker comes in, and he doesn't have a lot of experience calling plays, and we know with Sam Hartman, he's mastered this slow-mesh offense that is so tough to defend that really only Wake Forest runs, and he had unbelievable success, 77 touchdowns over the last two years. A lot of it is putting the ball up, trusting your receivers to go make plays down the field. He had that in A.T. Perry. He had that in Donovan Green. Who steps up at Notre Dame? And then I just wonder, what does he look like in more of a, a different style of offense? I'm sure he can adjust, but what does that look like? And does he bring any of these principles of the slow mesh to Parker just as maybe a, a shakeup, a little bit of a nuance to this offense? So I can't wait to see what it looks like. This Irish passing attack, guys, was 97th in the country last year. I think at the minimum it's going to be improved. But how improved it is and just how good Sam Hartman is in this offense is probably going to be the difference between them being an 8-9 win team or a 10-11 win type of team. And Dustin, to your point, they don't need that much improvement offensively. They struggled offensively last year. Quarterback was a position of weakness. And so even an incremental improvement will go a long way. But I will say this, as far as a leadership perspective, uh, Sam, I, I was at Notre Dame's practice a couple months ago during their offseason. The team has rallied around Sam Hartman. We're going to see it probably later on. He gave the whole team a super cool gift. But more than that, He's the unquestioned leader of this offense. So for a transfer with that much, that many accolades to come into a team, an established team, and take the take the lead. 
to me, that says more than anything. I think other players will step up because of how great he is. They'll li live up to his greatness. Yeah, Sam, I think wide receiver is the definitive weak point of the Irish program. There's a freshman named Jaden Greathouse yeah. from Westlake. Yeah, Austin Westlake. He was Cade Klubnick's top receiver down there, one of the most prolific receivers in Texas high school history. Look for him to flash on Saturday against Navy. Well, and to, to Dusty's point, he had so many great wide receivers when he was at Wake Forest. That is something that we'll see who has continued to develop here at Notre Dame. You mentioned the leadership. Pete, I know you know so much also about the background that Sam Hartman has had, the trials that he's been through. He's been proven. You know, he wasn't the starting guy at Wake Forest. He stayed there. He stuck it out and gained the respect of that team. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that he comes in and is able to win these guys over. Well, yeah, and to your point, like, that leadership is huge. What he's been through, we interviewed him a couple week, a couple months ago. What he's been through is huge. But then that Jaden Greathouse name that you mentioned, so Austin Westlake, superstar there. But even as a freshman, to come into the spring game, he dominated in the spring game as well. And so there are a lot of questions about receiver, to your point, Kelsey, and even to Dusty's point. But I think those questions will be answered early and often by especially a guy like Jaden Greathouse. All right, we will I'll see I'll tell you what. what's, oh, what's really going to help him also, Kelsey, the defense. Like, I expect yeah. improvement on that side of the football Marcus Freeman in year two, I, I fully expect defensively they're going to be good running the football. And if that passing game's better, maybe we should be watching out for the Irish. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. The other thing that we've got to keep an eye on, uh, Pete, is on the other side of things with the Navy. They've got a new head coach. What can you tell us about Brian Newberry? Obviously, he's not new to this program. Yeah, Brian Newberry is an interesting debut right now. Obviously, millions of people are going to be watching him. Brian Newberry has a giant, white, bushy beard. He does not cut <laughs> the crew-cut image you would think of Navy. He grew up in a landlocked state. He's a guy who really came up the hard way. I, I talked to Newberry this week. He said they have nothing to lose. Expect Navy to be super aggressive, pull out all the stops. And remember, the clock rules have changed. So military academies always aim to shorten the game. Well, games are going to be shorter now without the clock stopping on on uh, yeah. first down. Yeah. So I really think if they're going to try to get Sam Hartman and those young receivers going, there's some risk. You have a couple three and outs. Navy can control the ball. It's an interesting spot for, for Navy. He has been the defensive coordinator there for the last four years and is the 39th head coach in Navy program history. More to come here on College Football Live. On the other side of this break, we take a look at the Heisman reigning champ. What will USC be like this year with Caleb Williams back and is he better than ever? Williams has been absolutely brilliant. There's not a more dangerous quarterback. And he's got it! Heisman! Here comes Caleb Williams. The human joystick some play by Caleb Williams. College Football Live, year two of Lincoln Riley at USC, kicks off tomorrow, and he's got his Heisman-winning trophy quarterback back in Caleb Williams. Trojans host San Jose State, 8 p.m. Eastern time, but let's take a look at some of the top storylines headed into this season for this top 10 team. Now, USC looks to win the Pac-12 one final time while also making a run at the college football playoff. The Trojans have never made the playoff and haven't won the conference since 2017. So if they want to do that, they will also try to do what they did on offense last year because it was a high-powered offense for sure. They produced their highest offensive efficiency rating in a season since 2005, led by the reigning Heisman Trophy winner himself, Caleb Williams. Now, to reach the college football playoff, 
Lincoln Riley is going to need to shore up the defense in year two. The Trojans led by at least 14 points in all three of their losses last season, and two of those defeats came by a single point. Not a stat that you like to hear <laughs> if you are a USC fan, but Sam, let's talk about expectations for the team that is the preseason favorite to win the conference right now. What do you think we'll see from this USC team? Uh, this, this USC team, Kelsey, will go as far as the defense goes. I think Caleb Williams is and should be the front runner for the Heisman, but that defense, it really struggled, and it wasn't just because of missed tackles. It was a lot of misfits. You see, if you go back and you watch, you're seeing, man, you need an edge on your defense, period. No edge, no defense. You see no edge there. You see people dropping into coverage, being outside. They're supposed to be inside. This is from their last game that we saw at USC. This team was 82nd in points, 113th on third down. I just, it, it, it's, it's, it's frustrating as a defensive player to watch <laughs> players consistently be out of their gaps or in the wrong assignment or alignment or play back technique. And so offensively, they're going to put up numbers because of Lincoln Riley, because of Caleb Williams, because of their, the receivers. Defensively, I don't know if you can lean on what they had last year, which was a plus 22 turnover margin, especially when you have bad defense when it comes to technique. Yeah, I really think a name to watch uh, Saturday night against San Jose is Tackett Curtis. Captain America, they call him. Mm -hmm. He's a true freshman, five-star linebacker. He's been the buzz of their camp. Of their front seven, there are either five transfers or freshmen who are going to come in. It is a completely different defense. Their front seven was a sieve last year. Uh, yeah. Sam certainly knows the fits and the gaps better than me, but I just saw that people move the ball at will. So you have Bear Alexander, who transferred from Georgia. You've got a slew of new, bigger bodies, different body types, different profiles. I really feel like that's going to give them an edge they don't need to have a shutdown defense they just need to offer some resistance and that's going to be the key for them to, to push forward here yeah. because we all feel good about what we are going to get from Caleb Williams we saw it last year and he is now trying to be the second ever two-time Heisman Trophy winner here's his head coach on the season ahead he's played a year and a half of college football there's there's 15 more levels he can get at I mean he's got to have to continue to get better throughout his career I mean he's still you know, he's, he's still got the bulk of his career in front of him. So, yeah, we're going to try to take a great step uh, throughout the season and needs to get better a little bit of everything. I don't know if you guys believe me when I tell you that, but it actually is the truth. Like, he actually, you know, he, he's, he's tremendous. Uh, he doesn't walk on water yet. You know, uh, he's got a lot of a lot of work to do, and he's the first one to admit that. It's not one thing that's, you know, that I'm great at. It's not one thing that I'm – that I'm nasty or anything like that. So, you know, just, just getting better at everything that I can. Um, you know, being the best that I can for uh, my guys and, you know, trying to go win a bunch of games. Can we go back to that for a second? Does he walk on water? Yeah, I'll answer it for you. He had a season for the ages at USC last year of all the great quarterbacks that program has produced. Williams set the single season school records in passing yards, passing touchdowns, and touchdowns responsible for. Won the Heisman last year, so Sam Acho, can he somehow win it again this year? Caleb Williams can absolutely win the Heisman again this season. Why? because he has supreme confidence in his ability, but also the ability of his playmakers around him. Check this play out right here. It's going to be in the Cotton Bowl. Caleb Williams is going to sense the pressure in the pocket. He sees people, but what he sees even more is Brendan Rice, his receiver, who's going to be in a one-on-one. -on -one. So what does he do? He has to buy time. How does he buy time? Well, he's going to roll in the pocket and just be a creator. He creates, he creates, he creates, but he still needs more time. So he slows down. He sees his receiver right there in that one-on-one -on -one situation, and then boom, he shoots it to him. That's confidence not only in your ability, but in your ability to your, in your teammates to make plays. 
But that confidence can turn into cockiness if you're not in the right situation right here. Caleb Williams' eyes are again to his left, to his playmakers. What he doesn't see is there's a defender lurking right underneath that he has not paid attention to. Maybe he sees him, maybe he doesn't. The fact is he tries to shoot it in there and boom, costly turnover, costly interception. Now, Caleb Williams threw for 4,500 yards last year, 42 touchdowns, only five picks. That was one of them. It was very costly. If he can get rid of some of those, it'll be another Heisman for Caleb Williams. Sam, good stuff. He's not only the consistent consensus best college quarterback this year, right now he is the clear consensus for the best prospect in the 2024 class, according to our own Matt Miller, who recently released his preseason draft, mock draft. He has Caleb Williams being one of four quarterbacks drafted in the first round, has the reigning Heisman winner going first off the board. But, Pete, I want to come to you on this because he has him going first off the board, but you have a recent story where you just talked to him about his plans. What did you learn? So, Kelsey, I've known Caleb Williams and his uh, dad since high school, and they had always said, we want to be three and done, and we want to be the number one pick in the 2024 draft. He was saying this in 2019 (laughs) when college was still – he didn't know where he was going to go to school. So when I talked to Caleb last week, I said, hey, you're right here on the precipice of what you always wanted. You know, is is everything still in line? And he kind of pumped the brakes a little bit. He said, you know what? It's going to be an in-the-moment decision. I want to see if I can accomplish everything that I want to accomplish in college. I want to see what my goals are. And there's also a notion, too, that they can see where he could go, right? Like, that's like at least possible. And you saw Arizona projected there. Is that mm-hmm. is that the best situation? So he, he, he definitely said it's going to be an in-the-moment decision, which, which will be interesting and something to follow as the NFL season plays out as the college season plays out. Something for USC fans to pray for at night as well <laughs> as they can get, they get even more of him in the future. Let's take a look, though, at not just him because this Pac-12 quarterback class that we have is just absolutely stacked full of stars, one of four quarterbacks returning to the conference who posted a QBR of over 80 last season. So let's take a look at some of them. You've got Michael Penix Jr., Cam Rising, Bo Nix. The conference is also getting some of the new high-profile faces as two former quarterbacks are coming out west. How about DJ Uyungle at Oregon State and Shador Sanders following his dad to Colorado. We will see what it looks like for them at the quarterback spot. But the biggest name is one that I mentioned might be Michael Penix Jr. He is returning to Seattle after ranking second in all of FBS and passing yards, throwing for over 4,600 yards. So we've got Dusty back in the mix with us again. But Sam, I'm going to come to you first because I like the conversations that we had earlier and I want I want to hear it again. I want you to tell me, first of all, who's the second bet quarterback in in the Pac-12? Well, I'm going to go with the guy we just saw. I'm going to go with Michael Penix Jr. And it's not just because he himself was second in passing yards, but his team was second in all of FBS in total offense. So it's not just him as an individual. He's also leading his team, number one. Number two, it's his second year in this offense. So Kalen DeBoer, he's got another year to understand the offense. There are levels to this as we all know as a defensive player I played under good defensive coordinators they I didn't learn parts of the defense until my second year or third year or fourth year similarly as a quarterback you're going to learn some more of the nuances of your offense in your second year and so on and so forth so for me I go Michael Penix Jr. not only because of the stats but also what's ahead of him in second year of Kalen DeBoer's offense Oh, Sam, how wrong you are. (laughs) It was an amazing, an amazing year for Michael Penix Jr. I would say comeback player of the year because two years ago in 2021, he had four touchdowns, seven interceptions coming back from the knee injury. But he was fantastic last year. But the answer 
It's Bo Nix, okay? Bo Nix had a better QBR than Michael Penix Jr., had a better uh, quarterback rating than Michael Penix Jr., better completion percentage, better yards per attempt, and he had more total touchdowns. And what I like about Bo Nix, and these are both great players, what I like more about him is he had 14 rushing touchdowns, and he caught one. So when you can affect the game in different ways, his athleticism, he's had 32 rushing touchdowns between Auburn and Oregon. You know this, Sam. The one thing that keeps us defenders up at night, it's mobile quarterbacks that can just flat out make a play. When you play great defense everywhere, but they can tuck the ball and take it 80, which Bo Nix can, that will leave you up at night. Both these guys are great, but I'm going Bo Nix. And here's the truth. Everybody, if if uh, Cam Rising was healthy, he'd be number two. He's the one that's won two Pac-12 championships, but with the knee injury, it's just tough to put him over either Bo Nix or Michael Penix Jr. Well, Dusty, I hear what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I will refute it a little bit, number one, because I – so I left Bo, Bo Nix. I was actually with his brother, Caleb Nix, at Clemson a couple weeks ago. So I'm with you. Like, he's top three. But I will say about Michael Penix Jr., what keeps me up at night isn't just a quarterback who can run. It's a quarterback who's as accurate as Michael Penix Jr. is and has been. It's as confident as Michael Penix Jr. is and has been. And a quarterback that has an e- another layer that we haven't even seen yet, right? So that's the piece for me where, yes, Bo Nix is phenomenal. What he did last year, not just passing the ball, but also running the ball as far as touchdowns go, like that was uh, uh, amazing. But Michael Penix Jr., has, has shown us a side that we didn't know he had. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's what gets me. That's what keeps me up at night. I'm saying, oh, I didn't expect this, and now I'm seeing it. I wonder what's next. There is a good argument to be made for both of them. But there's also a good argument, Pete, to be made for someone else that we just heard Dusty mention. Well, I'm going to channel my friend Reese Davis, who often on game day <laughs> would say, poor little Utah. Nobody's <laughs> talking about poor little Utah. Here they are, back-to-back Pac-12 champs, back-to-back double-digit se- win seasons. All Cam Rising does is win games and win titles. Yeah. And that's where he is. Yeah. He's thrown for over 20 touchdown passes two years in a row. He's ran for a half dozen two years in a row. Obviously, Dusty pointed out he's coming off the ACL tear. That'll be one of the biggest news stories of this week, his health and whether he'll start in that Florida game. But I will take Cam Rising because I will follow victories. Do we have any <laughs> other Reese Davis impressions? Maybe we can get in later in the show. That's pretty, that's pretty good there. Uh, let's turn our attentions now to another game that we have coming up in week zero as Hawaii heads to Vanderbilt for their opener. Players also doing their part to help support their home state. The team packs supplies for those who are affected by the Maui wildfires. Here's their head coach, Timmy Chang. Bring joy. Bring entertainment. Uh, bring a sense of uh, it's going to be okay. We're here for you, and um, and any which any which way that our football team and our University of Hawaii programs can help. You know, it just means a little bit more this season and, and and this game. You know, going out there and having the pride of the state on our back, and and even in a time like this, uh, representing Maui, um, and 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 going out there and and going trying to get a win. This game carries extra meaning for sure for those players and so many who are affected still in our thoughts and prayers. You can help people affected by the Hawaii wildfires. Donate at redcross.org slash ESPN to help the Red Cross respond and help people recover. Still ahead on College Football Live, quarterback controversy at some of the biggest programs in the country. Our guys weigh in on who should be QB1. Plus, no need to wait till week one to make your best bets. Joe Fortenbaugh, he joins us with what he likes from this weekend. That's a lot ahead on College Football Live. A kickoff rematch. 
a cross-conference showdown to start the season. Not your average season opener. Florida, Utah, Thursday, August 31st on ESPN. Let's talk quarterbacks now because we've got lots of big teams with questions at the quarterback spot as we enter the first week. C.J. Stroud is off to the NFL, so the Buckeyes deciding between junior Kyle McCord and sophomore Devin Brown, who are both ESPN Top 100 recruits. And Tuscaloosa, Bryce Young also off to the NFL, so Nick Saban will have to pick between Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and incoming transfer Tyler Buckner. Now Milrow appeared in eight games for the Crimson Tide with one start, and in Ole Miss, Jackson Dart started last season but his competition is coming for him in the quarterback room. The Rebels brought in Oklahoma State transfer Spencer Sanders, who accounted for 85 touchdowns in four years in Stillwater. So Pete Thamel is still here with me now. And Pete, what can you tell us about these quarterback positions starting with Ohio State? Well, starting at Ohio State, I actually talked to Ryan Day this morning, and this will be a battle right through the Indiana game. He said as of right now, he expects to play both quarterbacks in that game. Uh, there's a big scrimmage for Ohio State on Saturday. That could maybe determine and who does become the starter eventually. Uh, interesting battle. Kyle McCord, a little more veteran, a little more polished. He's kind of a more drop-back guy. Devin Brown's got a little more wiggle to him and a little more of a dual threat. So what they want is to find a quarterback because they have to build an identity. They go to Notre Dame September 23rd. By then, they certainly want to have that battle set, Kelsey. And McCord played high school ball with Marvin Harrison, so a lot of people talking about that as well. Going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Also going to be interesting to see what happens with Alabama because their last four quarterbacks are likely all going to be playing in the NFL this season. So what are you hearing about Alabama and what we can expect there? I think that race will sharpen its focus going into next week, and I expect Alabama will start multiple quarterbacks at times this year. I think what Nick Saban has told us without directly telling us is that the identity of the Alabama offense is going to change. He invoked the name of our colleague Greg McElroy, who is a fine college quarterback, more of a game manager than a playmaker. And I really think Alabama's offensive identity is going to start, Kelsey, with their offensive line. So it wouldn't surprise me if Jalen Milrow, who's more of a dual threat, starts the season as Alabama's quarterback. And then Tyler Buckner still playing catch-up. He obviously wasn't there in the spring. And then Dylan Lonergan, the true freshman who was there in the spring, has been a little bit of the buzz at camp. I'm not saying he's going to start day one, but it wouldn't be surprised if they can't find an answer there if later in the year they maybe go to him. They've got five scholarship quarterbacks on their roster, so that will be interesting to see how that all pans out. We appreciate it. Want to bring back in Dusty now. And Dusty, you and I are going no huddle. We're going to get through as many of these as we can. And I want to start right there with the quarterback spot. And let's start with the quarterback battle that we're seeing. Is it going to be Kyle? Is it going to be Devin Brown? What do you think? Well, I, I got to tell you, I think it, as far as Ohio State goes, Devin Brown's done a great job, but I think it's going to be Kyle McCord. I mean, he was the guy that we all kind of anticipated to be the starter. Remember going back to spring, it was Brown who had a bit of a hand issue, had to miss the spring game. I'm going to say McCord, but both of these guys seem to be really talented and both have an unbelievable plethora of weapons to distribute the football to. Whoever wins it, I'm going Kyle McCord. They're going to have a lot of success. Dusty, let's go Bama now. We just heard from Pete. You could see one, two, three, maybe even four. What are your thoughts on what we're going to see from Alabama? I think he's right. Middle Tennessee State, I'd expect to see at least two. I think Jalen Milrow gets the start, given exactly what Pete said. More running the football. Milrow has started there. You know he's got that element. Can make the running game really difficult to defend. So I think it starts with Milrow, but I think we also see Ty Buckner in that opener as well. All right, speaking of having lots of options, Michigan, they have lots of options for their interim head coaches. We didn't get your thoughts on this earlier. So four interim head coaches in three games. What do you think about what Michigan's doing? 
I think it's fun. I think it's kind of a, a joke, and this whole thing is, is a bit of a joke, really, the fact that Jim Harbaugh is going to have to be suspended for, for, for everything that took place back in 2020. But I think as much as anything, it really shines a light on how much Michigan knows they're going to dominate the competition. Harbaugh is going to be there all week, and then he's like, oh, you get a chance, and you get a chance. <laughs> kind of like Oprah spreading around the head coaching duties. I don't think it's going to have any impact on the outcome. Michigan's going to roll in all three of those games. Anything, Anytime you can make a comp to Oprah, I think it's a good thing. So, obviously, it's a good thing what they're doing there. Let's go from interim coaches to new head coaches, and I want to take you to the Pac-12. We've got Deion Sanders at, at Colorado. We've got Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State. What do you think, when you look at those two teams, who finishes with more wins? Great question. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with Prime. And this is really close because both these guys have completely revamped and remade the roster. Now, Prime's got a tougher non-conference as they got to play TCU and Nebraska out of the shoot. you got Oklahoma State with Arizona State. It'll be close, but I'll take Coach Prime by just a skosh. New, no huddle, and now we are moving to the Big Ten. More new coaches. Matt Rule, Luke Fickle. Who do you see that could potentially be playing for a championship at the end of this season? Well, I think it's definitely Luke Fickle. Look, he's inheriting a better situation, and they bring in Phil Longo for that offense. The defense will be stifling. Braylon Allen in the backfield. I'm buying on Matt Rule, big picture at Nebraska. But this year, right, coming up, we could easily see Luke Fickle in a Big Ten championship with Wisconsin. Okay, so that's the West, but then I'm going to take you to the East and Michigan or Ohio State that could be playing in the championship game. I'm going Michigan, like Ohio State, Ryan Day have to prove they can beat them forever. It was Jim Harbaugh who had an Ohio State problem. Now Ryan Day has a Michigan problem. J.J. McCarthy back, that offensive line, those two running backs, give me the Wolverines winning the Big Ten yet again. We're going no huddle, two-minute drill, even faster now. Texas A&M, the marriage of Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher, is it going to work? It needs to let that man do his job. Jimbo is a great recruiter, face for a program, can give the messaging, but it's time to let Bobby P do his job. I think he will. Dusty, give me a big impact transfer that you're looking at this season. I'm going Kentucky, Devin Leary. Look, two years ago, he was great at NC State. Liam Cohen back as the offensive coordinator. I think Devin Leary has an impact season there in Kentucky. Dusty, one more before you go, and which team is going to break Big 12 fans' hearts even more at the end of this season and win it all? Is it going to be Texas? Is it going to be Oklahoma? Well, I think it's those two in the Big 12 championship game. I'll let them battle it out in Arlington, and obviously we heard what Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, said this week. He will not be rooting for mine or Sam's alma mater, but I think those two teams will remind everybody just how good of programs they are, and they're going to find their way in a Big 12 championship matchup in December. All right, Dusty, good stuff. We will have more from you in just a little while, but still to come here on College Football Live, we've got to talk a little bit more about the future of college football. It's changing from four teams to 12, from Power 5 to who knows. We get nostalgic over college football as we know it. into College Football Live. The season is officially back tomorrow with seven Division I games kicking off the season. Notre Dame, as we mentioned, playing in Ireland against Navy. They're the nearly three touchdown favorites. The other ranked team in action is USC. They have the biggest spread of the day, 31 and a half point favorites against San Jose State. Now ESPN sports betting analyst Joe Fortenbaugh is with us now. And Joe, week zero is finally here. So give us some of your best bets for week zero. 
Let's start with Notre Dame plus 20 and a half points, or I should say Navy plus 20 and a half points against Notre Dame in Ireland. I'm getting close to three touchdowns here in a game with a total of just 49 points, which is low for college football. So I'm not going to need an offensive explosion from Navy in order to cover this number. Start with the forecast. It's going to be raining all day in Ireland leading up to this game. Winds will be around 12 mile an hour, so that could affect the passing game a little bit. Notre Dame's got question marks on their defensive line and in their secondary and they lost offensive coordinator Tommy Reese to Alabama. Navy's got a new head coach, and they're still going to run the triple option, but that triple option is going to have some special wrinkles this year. I think they keep it tight early. Notre Dame probably distances themselves late, but Navy covers the spread at 20 and a half. We'll also look at Louisiana Tech minus 11 and a half over Florida International. This is a big revenge game for Louisiana Tech. They lost this matchup last year in two overtimes, and they've been talking about it. The players have been talking about it leading into this game. They hit the transfer, transfer portal, excuse me, hard this year. They brought in Hank Bachmeyer, his quarterback, from Boise State. This FIU team has problems on both sides of the ball. They're not very deep. The Vegas win total is just three games. I like Louisiana Tech to jump all over them early in this one. And then finally, we will lay the big number with USC minus 31 over San Jose State. Lincoln Riley as a head coach, six years coming into this season. In week one, he's 6-0 straight up. 4-2 against the spread, but he's winning those games by 37 points per game. The offense is going to be explosive. The defense should be better based on what we saw last season, which isn't much considering how bad they look. But I do think the Trojans cover the number. We're getting the best bets from you as well as the weather, a little bit of everything right now from Joe Fortenbaugh. Uh, you mentioned USC. Speaking of them, Caleb Williams, the consensus favorite to repeat now as Heisman Trophy winner again. And take a look at this. He is the only player with odds shorter than 10-1, to 1, and his, they're way shorter plus 375 after him there's a jam of eight other quarterbacks packed behind him representing each of the power five conferences Jaden Daniels of LSU is second on the list at 10 to 1 so let's talk some smart money now where is the smart money when it comes to Heisman odds I wouldn't play Williams and it's not a knock on him it's plus 375 to repeat we haven't seen a repeat since Archie Griffin in the mid-70s at Ohio State. You have to win a lot of games to win the Heisman Trophy. I would look at Cade Klubnick from Clemson at a price of 16-1. to 1. Last five Heisman Trophy winners have won a ton of games. Two of those Heisman Trophy winners were from Alabama, two from Oklahoma, one from LSU. All right, Klubnick should win plenty of games at Clemson. They have a weak non-conference schedule, home games against Notre Dame, home games against Florida State. The most daunting road game, I guess, is probably Miami. So we're looking at 11 or so wins here. On top of that, Brandon Streeter, the offensive coordinator, is gone. They brought in Garrett Riley from TCU. If we remember what TCU did last year, they went to the national championship game and Max Duggan who wasn't even expected to be the starter of that team, ended up as a Heisman finalist. So I think there's some value in Klubnick at 16-1. to 1. I like that pick. A lot of excitement around Kid Klubnick as well as Garrett Riley and them linking up together. Joe Fortenbaugh, we appreciate it. Remember when you would go to your grandparents' house and they had those old encyclopedias with the world maps from back in the day? And you'd be like, wait, is this really what Europe used to look like? Well, one day people will look at the college football map from 2023 and have that same sort of reaction. Wait, Oklahoma and Texas weren't in the SEC? Wait, USC and UCLA used to play teams on the West Coast all the time instead of Ohio State and Rutgers? Wait, the college football playoff used to only have four teams? Will it all be awesome? Maybe. Will it all work? Who knows? But will it all be different? absolutely positively zero doubt about it 
So this fall, in the middle of all the football, make sure to pause and take a mental picture. Heck, take a whole album of them, of certain teams on certain TV channels, of conference divisions, heck, of the United States map. Because after this season, it's all going to change. Even if we can't imagine what the world will be like without all of that outgoing stuff. But like kid me trying to imagine a world without encyclopedias, it'll all work out just fine. Probably. College football, we love you. It's going to look different in 2024. A ton of conference realignment is set to take place. Marquee programs like Texas, Oklahoma, USC finding new homes. But the biggest change will be in the postseason. The playoffs tripling in size, going from four teams to 12 teams. Pete Thamel, Sam Ocho still here with me now. Let's get nostalgic for a little bit. <laughs> Pete, what are you going to miss the most with college football changes after this year? So the fabric of college football has always been regional hatred. Right? And it's at the water cooler. So what, what I'm going to miss is Bedlam. If you work yep. at Prudential in Oklahoma City and you go to the coffee maker, there's a Sooner and a Cowboy <laughs> who are going to sneer at each other all the way till that week in November when they play. And that, that hatred is going to be missed. Now, look, we're going to get Michigan playing USC, and that's going to be awesome. But we're also going to get Washington playing Indiana, and that's not so great. So, again, the, the, the greater good is there. The money is clearly there, but some of the hatred is going to leave. Yeah, and I'm going to miss, Pete, to your point, just the in-state rivalries, mm -hmm. not from the fan perspective, but from the player perspective. I remember playing at Texas and then going to Lubbock and losing on that Michael Crabtree catch in Lubbock. I remember even last year, tech, that same Texas team lost in Lubbock. Like those, It's not like the Texas-Oklahoma. They're going together, right, USC? UCLA, they're going, but it's all the other in-state rivalries that you don't expect. That's the part I'm going to miss about college football. And it's what college football, what makes college football so special is some of those rivalries is probably breeding even more hate, too, if you listen to some of the people talk about not having <laughs> Bedlam anymore. So that is definitely going to be different, but we've still got one more season to celebrate and enjoy. Speaking of enjoying, Sam Hartman appears to be enjoying his time so far with the Irish, and I think his teammates are liking it, too, ahead of them heading to Dublin. He gifted his team a few different things. We're going to talk about the best gifts ever given by a teammate after this. College football season kicks off tomorrow. That sounds good, doesn't it? The 18th annual MEAC SWAC Challenge kickoff game as South Carolina State squaring off against Jackson State at Center Park Stadium in Atlanta. Our celebration of HBCUs begins at 730 Eastern on ABC for the first time and as well on the ESPN app. As mentioned, we've also got a big one tomorrow, 2.30, Dublin, Irish, and Navy. That is a treat in itself for Irish fans, especially with new quarterback Sam Hartman taking over. Like I said before, love taking care of you guys. It was a great day. Um, but it always being said, we got a long flight. I feel like we might need something to take care of us on the flight, maybe help us sleep. Um, so for the fellas, um, a little company called Beach. Hooked us up. It's like Christmas every day with Sam Hartman. Thanks, Sam. The Sam Hartman 01s. They're nice. Toby, Toby, look at you. In you. You got music in here or what? Shout out Sam Hartman. Sam, hand it to me. 
My senior citizen, Sam Hartman, blessed us. No sweaty book got the bag, you feel me? Uh, Dusty and Sam back with me now, and he gave him shoes, too. That was just one of the things that Sam Hartman's dishing out this week. Things seem to be going well there. Dusty, what's the best gift you've ever gotten from a teammate? First of all, that was really cool by Hartman. The best way to your teammates' hearts is through their ears, apparently. But for <laughs> me, wasn't a Rolex, wasn't Beats. It was more sentimental. Brian Erlacher, Hall of Famer, he got all the defensive line uh, an unbelievably cool framed-up jersey, game-worn cleats, game helmet. I still have it to this day. So cool, so appreciative of something like that. Yeah, the best gift I received, and it wasn't a tangible gift, I mean, to the point that Dusty just made. It was my teammates showing up for my events. I mean, especially in the NFL, you do all these different mm -hmm. events, and sometimes people show up, sometimes they don't. Like, all my guys showing up, that's what meant the most. And then the best gift that I will say that I gave was during training camp one year, I threw a Chipotle party for my okay. teammates. And so, I get it. It's just food. But, like, man, they were happy. You got guys like Leonard Floyd's with the Bills right now, guys like Akeem Hicks, right? Like, it was just – I mean, like, it was a little thing. I, it wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't, like, you know, showing up to events. But it was, like, it was a, it was a, it was a little gift. A little gift. Dusty, what you think about that? I'll Would take, you like Chipotle? I'll take some Chipotle. Come on, man. I love Chipotle. <laughs> what you got? Give me some grilled chicken. I'm ready to go, man. I'd love you if you got me some Chipotle, Acho. I, I will say this. So, another cool gift, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. You talk about Brian Erlacher. Larry Fitzgerald actually invited me to meet two former presidents at an event. So, like, oh, little wow. stuff like that. He's like, oh, man, got President Bush, President Clinton. Like, those invitations of people you never would meet in, the, in otherwise, otherwise, those gifts mean a lot for me. So, you can't take them on the plane with you, but you get to keep them with you forever. <laughs> I wish I would have known. I have some, like, been traveling a lot. I have oh. some gummy bears that are open. Is that, that the I'm, gift? Like, <laughs> I'm happy to share these with you. I respect you. it. Gummy, oh, they're already you know? open. Hey, yeah, they're already open. Throw one to me over okay, here. Come on. 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 <laughs> Guys, college football season is almost here. Happy college football Saturday almost to all those who celebrate. We'll see you again on Monday.